At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. With the galaxy put back into place and the Empire defeated, for now, Han Solo goes back to his old ways as a smuggler, carting illicit goods from one side of the galaxy to the other, Han stops for a respite in an isolated watering hole on the edge of space. Han sits down to enjoy a moment of solitude when a voice can be heard directing itself at him. Hey, baby, I've got orders to bring you in. Let's just keep it groovy, baby. Yeah! Han whips around with his blaster ready, for he'd rather be frozen again than go without a fight. It's Smuggler versus Spy. It's Last Name Made Up versus Middle Name Danger. It's Han Solo versus Austin Powers. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. In today's episode, it's a battle of ultimate swagger, where Han Solo, Star Wars' smooth smuggler and pilot of the Millennium Falcon, takes on Austin Powers, the ultimate parody of a spy. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. And yet again, I couldn't right. find anyone talking about this matchup. This is scary because I went really deep into the depths oh. of Google and, and my search. Yeah, this is not good. I did the actually unthinkable and even used Bing. Whoa. And that is horrific. Yeah, and, and the horrors I witnessed. Let's just say the dark web starts at page seven of a search on Bing. Kids at home, just just don't go there. So Walk yet away. again, Who Would Win brings you a first-time premier geek culture battle because that's, again, what we do for our amazing fan base, the Legion of Audience. Ray, 
What are your thoughts on today's matchup? I don't know what to make of today's matchup. You know, the 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 the, the room that we have that puts these battles together. You know, we said with the with the Obi-Wan show coming out, we wanted to use a Star Wars character because we figured that the interest level would be high. And I know we just did Emperor Palpatine not that long ago, but that's okay. Star Wars is Star Wars, it'll always be popular. But we also just did Obi-Wan himself a few months ago. Great planning on our part, knowing there was an Obi-Wan show around the corner. So who haven't Correct. we used? We've used everybody. We've used Luke Skywalker, Emperor, Darth Vader, you know, Chewbacca, Chewbacca? even we've used. Yeah. yeah. We've used um, we've used them all, but we have never used Han Solo on the Who Would Win show. So what a perfect time to bring out everybody's favorite roguish hero played by Harrison Ford. No, not that one. Not that one. The other one, Han Solo. <laughs> and and then Austin Powers, you know, I I kind of jokingly in the I, this was a joke. I said, well, you know, we're looking for somebody maybe like Austin Powers <sighs> and the room ran with it. And I sat there saying, oh, no, I'm going to have to watch all the Austin Powers movies now, aren't I? And the yeah. answer was yes. Ray, I'm so sorry. The one meeting, the one production meeting I couldn't I couldn't be there for. And then all of a sudden I get the memo after. I'm like, what? Wh wait, how? How did this happen? Whatever. We're going with this. We can make this fantastic because that's what we do on the Who Would Win show. Look, more importantly, Ray, I got to bring something up to you. Okay. Recently, look, you're you're always kind of bitter. You're always kind of angry. That's, you know, race to Canis that we all know and love. What? But recently it's gone up another notch. The bitterness, the anger, the... The angst is no longer interior. It's now completely outside. You know, Ray, I, I, I guess in a weird way I care about you. Not at all. And I wanted to make sure, you know, and just check in with you and make sure you're okay. So I, I've actually kind of did some deep thinking. I got a few reasons for why I think you're so bitter. Tell me if I'm right on these. I, I'm just, this is a shot in the dark, okay? So the first reason why I think you're really, really bitter is because mm -hmm. um, you lost the vote that Crystal Storm put up for her uh, series Legacy, a Star Wars story. It's really cool. Or audio drama where you and I both acted on it. And they had a vote to see who would be the better actor or who did, people thought was a better actor, you or I. And there's a third option, of course. And um, you didn't quite make it. You came in last. Is that why you're so bitter? I, there's no reason to be bitter about a poll that got like seven votes on it and five of them went to the third category that wasn't either of us, James. I have nothing wrong to say about that. I may have gone on the Crystal Storm Legacy After Show that she hosts on her Twitch sure. stream most Tuesday uh, evenings, and I may have said a few disparaging things about you. Listen, when people ask me questions about James Gavsey, I've got to give them the truth. And yes, Crystal Storm took my truth, turned it into a poll, and the people, you know my feelings on them, they tried to punish me for being mean to James. This poll means nothing. Unlike the two polls on Twitter that I put up, should the last two battles have been reversed, the Gorilla Grodd episode, as well as the Hulk episode from the 70s, and the people both times voted yes. Reversal should have happened, so I am now two people at home, Chalk those two up as victories on the show. I am now like 17 up in season four. Yeah, about those two other polls, I um, I felt kind of bad, and I told a few friends of mine to uh, uh, vote for you. Well, that was a mistake. It. So just, well, I just, I just wanted you to have something. Reverse. You know? All right, uh, second reason, second reason why I think you're so bitter and angry. I'm just going to say, it, I think you need more fiber. Like, seriously, when was the last time you ate a vegetable? Oh, please. A vegetable doesn't moo, James. I'm not eating it. Because why be healthy? Why 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 let, why let that be a thing? Okay, I think the real reason here, you already hinted to it, that you're so angry and upset is because 
you know, after losing season three of the Who Would Win show, you felt that in season four, you'd be way ahead by this point. In fact, even thought you'd be undefeated. Uh, however, we're at a dead heat. We're tied for season four so far with wins and losses. Is that the real reason you're so upset? The idea that James Gavsey would beat me in an overall head-to-head season contest, much less 20 matches in be tied with me, is laughable. It is an outrage. It is something that bamboozles my mind. It can't be true. It mustn't be true. So frankly, it isn't true. I like how your mind works. Like, what what color is the sky in your world uh, where you don't eat vegetables? Look... Here's the deal. You have not made it easy. It's been hard. It's been tricky. We've had our controversies, the whole thing. And that's why I'm so excited about the judge we have for today's episode, because if anyone is going to, (laughs) anyone's going to look down the middle and say, this is the fair decision. It's the judge we have today. So making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's host of the PlayStation Experience podcast. It is the smartest person on the internet. It's been confirmed, by the way. And it's someone who the fans, the Legion of Audience, voted as Judge of the Year for Season 3. It's the host of the Delvin Cox Experience podcast. You'll never guess who it is. It's Delvin Cox. Delvin, welcome back to Who Would Win. I'm happy to be back. Ray, you're here, too. Also, Mm -hmm. fruit and fiber. It may help you out, buddy. So these are, this is good things, good things. When it yes. comes from the smartest man on the internet, by the way, you, you got to take it seriously. Delvin, you know, before we go on to talk about all this cool stuff, tell us about your two shows because they're awesome. In case there's any of our fan base, Legion of Audience, who is not familiar with it, what would you tell them about your both your podcasts? Well, I'll start off with the Delvin Cox Experience because that's kind of the flagship show. It's a podcast about diversity. The whole tagline is, I'm on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity, and I have... A multitude of guests from different backgrounds and different cultures on there. James has been on there. Ray has been on there. It's a great podcast. I love doing it. It's it's a, a blast. You definitely should check it out if you want to hear a different take on on an interview show. The the show is known for its patented five for five questions, five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. I think that's something that people take take the ball and run with and kind of use it on the other podcasts. And I think it's pretty interesting that that happens that way. But yeah, it's a great show. The PlayStation Experience, on the other hand, is a video game podcast, not only about PlayStation, but it's talking about video games and video game culture, and we just get into the nitty-gritty of what makes video games fun, and sometimes we talk about the the hard things in video games, and things like um, Activision being bought by Microsoft, and what does that mean for the video game companies, and things like that, but yeah, it's a really cool and fun podcast. Definitely check out both of those. You know, your, your, both your shows are fantastic, and, and what I will tell you is that when someone kind of copies your format or takes a piece of your podcast that's really popular and tries to adapt it to their own. I know it's frustrating, but I got to tell you, Delvin, it's, I think it's just because you're awesome and you're fantastic yes. and, and what's that expression? Why? Imitation Man, you guys, is you, the... you English speakers. Thank you. I'm thinking of it in French. Imitation. Yeah. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Is that correct? Yes. That's correct. So I think you should be flattered that so many people try to do what you do, but feel so miserably. Now, Delvin, look, more importantly, with all that great stuff being said, you and I get along quite well, right? Yes. Um, we, we see out on a lot of whole things. You're a genius. You may have made the wrong decision last time on the show, but, you know, you did it Don't in a really so. cool way. And, yes. uh, you know, here's the thing. We'll agree to disagree to agree. And, however, <laughs> you and Ray, it's a slightly different relationship. Something's going on there. How do you get past your disdain, the, the disrespect, the utter disgust? that you've told me you have for Race to Canis when you're a judge on this show? I just don't look at him. Just don't look him in the face. Just keep it moving. 
ignore that he's there. Here's some of his points and take them as they will. Because I have to call it down the line. I have to be fair and unbiased. That's true. And I know it's hard to do that with Ray. But as long as I don't look at him and he doesn't talk to me, we will be fine. Is that what we're calling it now? Is that what we're calling your judging? <laughs> unbiased. Yes. That's exactly what we're calling it. We'll see. Ray, this I'll can't let you be know. the first time someone said, as long as I don't look at him, I'll be fine. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I'd say the feeling is know. mutual, but the problem is Delvin Cox is such a great looking man. Thank I'm you. not. Look, he I is. have no shame in it. I hate his guts. I think that when he comes on, he disrespects the role of judge on who would win. But I'm not going to pretend he's not a handsome man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's kind of not fair. It's kind of not fair. You're you're a very good looking dude and uh, you're insanely smart. You know, pick a lane, Delvin. Pick a lane. You get one, not both. But sure enough, you got both. All right. Listen, fiber. Think about that, Ray. Fiber. Not interested. We've got a great episode. We've got Delvin Cox, the judge of judges, on the show. We've got Austin Powers, rep by Ray Stacanus. We've got Han Solo, rep by me. So with that said, it's about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Star Wars, the smuggler who likes his red plastic cups the same way he likes his adventures, Solo. Han Solo. And representing the world of comedy cinema, the spy who detests hardwood floors because he prefers carpet. Shag carpet, baby, yeah! Austin Powers. You know, I'd say that's a good imitation, but it almost sounds a little Chewbacca-ish at the end of that. I'll be honest, I'll I'll take Chewbacca with that. I'll take Chewbacca. That's fine. That's that's good. That would actually make things a lot... Imagine Chewbacca as Austin Powers. Wouldn't that have just made the movie that much better? I don't know. You know, I'm a genius, too. All right. Yeah, well done. Well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match, which are brought to you by Drizzly.com, one of our great sponsors, and by the Geek and Game Facebook community, the best place, in my opinion, for all things to do with geek culture. Here are the rules. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, are, do we really have to say what versions of our characters we're using here? We're both using the cinematic versions that are, you know, Han Solo and in Star Wars, you with awesome powers. Is there, am I wrong in that? Well, you're forgetting, of course, about the Dark Horse 2001 affiliated comic book canon series of Austin Powers that does not exist. So I will be using the movie version of Austin Powers. I think that's a safe bet. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less. Are there non-canon crossovers for these characters? I don't even think so. Well, number five, I think, yeah. Yeah, there's robot chicken, at, at least. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I never even think about doing that. Oh, that's, that's good. actually okay. good idea. Rule number five. It's a good idea, right? Okay, good. I like it. Uh, thanks, Ray. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. You're welcome, Ray Stacanus. Rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch while you listen to this episode, because that's what all the kids are doing today. Today. 
We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Austin Powers. Austin Powers is a British spy and star of his own movie trilogy. He was created and played by Mike Myers and first appeared in the film Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery back in 1997. Austin Powers was a very famous British spy in 1967 who battled a nefarious Dr. Evil. After Dr. Evil cryogenically froze himself and jettisoned into space in a giant big boy statue, Powers froze himself as well to be brought back should evil ever reappear. 30 years later, this is exactly what happened, and the fish-out-of-water spy was called back into duty in the year 1997. Fun fact, where does a character like Austin Powers even come from? Well, truth be told, Mike Myers, uh, singer Matthew Sweet, and Susanna Hoff formed a fake 1960s British band named Ming T after Myers departed Saturday Night Live in the 90s. This band was led by Myers playing a character named 
Austin Powers as the lead singer. Having been encouraged to write a full-length movie based on this silly, one-shot kind of character, we ended up with getting three movies as a result. So, there it is. That is Austin Powers. Someone encouraged him it to was, write a movie. It was his wife at the time, who then became his ex-wife. Make of that what you will. That's fair. Okay. All right. Here are the important details for Han Solo. Han Solo, played by the iconic Harrison Ford, was created by George Lucas and first appeared in Star Wars A New Hope back in 1977. Ever since his debut, Han Solo has remained one of the most famous and well-loved characters from the Star Wars series and franchise. Known only as Han until being given the surname Solo by an Imperial recruitment officer and formerly known as Imperial Cadet 124-329, Han Solo became a leader in the Alliance to restore the Republic and was an instrumental figure in the defeat of the Galactic Empire during the Galactic Civil War. He hailed from the planet Corellian and became a smuggler, even completing the Kessel Run in just 12 parsecs with his prized ship, the Millennium Falcon, and coming under the employ of Jabba the Hutt. He was the son-in-law of fallen Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker and Senator Padme Amidala, husband of Princess Leia Organa, brother-in-law of Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, father of Ben Solo, rivals and close friends with fellow smuggler Lando Calrissian, and best friends with the Wookiee Chewbacca, whose trust is trusted pilot, co-pilot who swore a life debt to the Corellian smuggler. And here's an interesting fact about Han Solo. Did you know that Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon are from the same planet? It's true. In a galaxy filled with a seemingly endless amount of planets and spaceships, it's a pretty incredible coincidence that the Millennium Falcon, also known simply by its other name of YT-1300-492727ZED, Corellian Life Freighter, is also from Han's home planet of Corellia. Now, you might think this would be an important point to bring up sometime during the prequels or sequels or even, I don't know, the actual movie about Han Solo where he first sees the Falcon. But I guess, you know, having an older and bitter Luke Skywalker drinking green milk from a space cow type of creature was somehow cinematically uh, more relevant. I'm still bitter about the sequels, Ray. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Delvin, do you have any questions before we get started? No questions at all. And I'm also bitter about the sequels. Thank you. Thank you. Always feels good to be aligned with a genius. You know, it just, yes. it just makes you feel more confident. All right, race to Canis. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Austin Powers. I just want to talk about the raw physicality of this character. Now, this is a wild character to be bringing into Who Would Win because, you know, you have Toon Force. Well, he has a little bit of comedy physics. Is it funny? Then he can do it. Now, I'm not going to pretend Austin Powers has pure Toon Force because he is a live action rooted in some sort of reality kind of character. But one thing that is certain that despite the fact that he's played by, you know, Mike Myers, not exactly uh, the most uh, prominent uh, The Rock circa tw- 2015 physique that we're going to find, Austin Powers is capable of doing some pretty wildly amazing things physically. Now, first off, I want to talk about how he enters a car. We've seen him do it multiple times. He runs up behind the convertible uh, that he he will ride in. He will do a, a, a front pommel horse kind of a flip off the back uh, bumper of the car, do a flip in the air, and land into the passenger seat uh, or the driver's seat, depending on which side, you know, which country he's in at the time, which side the steering 
steering wheel is on. But he can absolutely do a jump flip over the top. We've never seen Han Solo do anything even remotely as acrobatic and physical as that. Han Solo is just sort of a ground fighter who relies on his blaster and tries to think his way through a situation. Austin Powers also can see, you know, many steps ahead, but he's just got a lot more going on with that. Heck, at one point, he forced open metal doors just with his bare hands. You know, we remember Han Solo in the prison compound in the first Star Wars movie. He was trying to press buttons and stuff. If Hans, if if Austin Powers in that situation, he just would have pulled the door open by himself because we've seen him do it with those types of doors in his movies. One time, he shattered a glass tank with just one punch uh, because it was filled with gas of his love interest, uh, Felicity Shagwell, I believe. And, and then he was able to rescue her with a one punch to a tank. Not a tank as in the one with a gun, but the tank that you would put fish in. Still an impressive feat. At one point, I watched him kick a door off its hinges when going after a character named Goldmember. He just walked up one step, boom, and he knocked the door completely clean off it. I've, again, never seen Han Solo do something as physical as that. In one of the scenes, you could argue it was a stunt double. I don't care. It was still the same character. He basically did cartwheels for what seemed to be the length of a football field. And he just did one after another, after another, after another. He did like 17 in a row and then landed in front of the camera, uh, came up from under the camera, was like, ta-da, that's a guy who's got acrobatic power, but he's got some more strength as well. He once flipped a character named Fat Bastard, who's a giant, powerful, very large, very immovable character. I think it took four uh, characters with rope and pulleys to get him up off the ground at one point. Well, Austin Powers is just able to take him out, flip him over right there. In, in Insane levels of strength from him. And let's talk about the character Random Task, who's the parody of Odd Job, uh, uh, the, the Asian assassin with the bowler hat. He takes his shoe off and he smashed a statue with it from across the room, shattered the head of the statue. Well, he hit Austin Powers in the face with his shoe, his signature attack. And Austin Powers just said, oh, that hurt. That really hurt. But he was able to keep fighting afterwards. This should be a devastating attack. But Austin Powers was able to tank it. At the end of the day, we're talking acrobatics, strength, and raw physicality. You're shocked to hear this, but Austin Powers is the more brutal competitor in those categories. And that's my point number one. You know, it's true, Ray. Like, uh, comedy physics is definitely a thing. However, the, the comedy physics doesn't really go towards his durability. You know, you talked about the shoe that was thrown in his head. You know, I was expecting him to say, like, that hurt, that hurt, that really stung for a second, or it stings, or what have you. The shoe took him out for a second. Literally, he was just like, ow, my head. Even the, the girlfriend of his at the time was looking at him going, like, wait, wait, you're complaining about a shoe? He's kind of not super durable. Also, within the whole franchise of Austin Powers, people get shot, stabbed. They still can't can get hurt very easily with all that. And, you know, Random Task, interesting character played by the MMA fighter known as Joe Sun. Do you know what he's known for in MMA circles? That's right. He lost to Keith Hackney, a plumber who's also a Kempo karate expert, through groin punches, repeated groin punches, which is ridiculous because in the movie, without going into too many details, this really tough person, Random Task, oh. gets taken out by a pump of some sort, to the no-no danger zone. I'll leave it at that. He does. I'm not going to go any further. Not the toughest of opponents when a pump to the no-no danger zone takes you out and a shoe being thrown at uh, Austin Powers yes. you know, stunts him and stops him in his tracks. Wait a minute. Just a horrible Who thing. among us wouldn't be taken out by a pump to the no-no danger zone? Please. That sounds devastating to me. <laughs> Not quite the way he it, it was used. Again, I can't go into too many details. No, um, we really shouldn't. This is a family show. Yeah, I'm not answering absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Point number one, let's break down who Han Solo is and what he can do. Now, look, by the time Han Solo was a teenager, he built uh, a big reputation as a racer of vehicles, uh, all the different cool type of vehicles on the planet he was on. He picked up a number of alien languages. He was also a considerable thief and con man as a teenager. This is someone who's very, very accomplished because he had to learn how to survive very quickly. Now, let's talk about his fighting skill because he's actually an amazing fighter. In his first encounter with Chewbacca, not only did he survive the fight, but he even got in some really, really good shots. He actually hurt Chewbacca and even evaded a lot of the bigger attacks. Now, this fight in particular was really, really cool because Han put Chewbacca into a submission hold, an armbar, designed to break his arm, also pulled Chewbacca's hair on his head so hard that Chewbacca was screaming, and even bit into his arm so hard that Chewbacca actually stopped in his tracks and had to scream and roar in the air. This fight kind of revealed that Han Solo has formal fight training, and he's also an amazing straight can use street fighting tactics at an insanely high level against superhuman opponents. Plus, he was able to tank a lot of uh, Chewbacca's attacks. Look, I love Austin Powers', Powers judo chops, but that's not going to really do anything compared to a rampaging Wookiee in the form of Chewbacca who's throwing you around a mud pit in a cage and tossing you into metal pipes and the whole thing. This is just crazy. Here's another fun thing. Hansel, let's just be really obvious, he's a master at using his firearm. It's called the DL-44. Now, these firearms were super accurate, highly reliable, easily modifiable. This was the go-to weapon for military personnel, bounty hunters, and smugglers. And, and DL-44s were capable of firing charges powerful enough to actually break through stormtrooper armor. Now, you might be saying, oh, stormtroopers, da 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 the reason why people didn't really take them that seriously is because Han Solo's firearm could take them out with one shot. That's still pretty strong armor. It's still highly impressive. And what we witness also with Han Solo is that he's an expert marksman. I know I'm being kind of serious about all this, but this is the truth. Even when blind and hanging upside down from one of Jabba the Hutt's barges on in um, Return of the Jedi, uh, Han Solo was able to shoot a Sarlacc tentacle wrapped around Lando Calrissian's leg. Again, blind, upside down, was able to figure out where that where his friend was, shot that Sarlacc thing off of him. Super, super uh, impressive. It's probably his second most well-defined practical talent that Han Solo has. He's also super fast on the draw. And this is really cool. It was written that Han Solo can outdraw almost anyone in the galaxy, even the best gunfighters. It was really, really cool. It came to a point, actually, in the Star Wars galaxy... He had such a reputation that very few people would even want to go against him. Again, that's a reputation that goes across the galaxy. He's so good on the draw that for decades, that whole Greedo scene in A New Hope at the Cantina, everyone's like, oh, how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, that's because he drew first, knowing that, you know, uh, you know it had to be super fast to outgun uh, Greedo, who was, I believe, under the employee of Jabba the Hutt. Listen, he's also great under pressure. He's a smuggler. He often finds himself in the crosshairs of crime bosses, low lives, and he has to figure out how to think himself out of any situation. We've seen him do this over so many years. Sometimes the plan goes so bad. So what does he do? He just comes up with a new plan on the spot. Now, this is why he went from being a smuggler to at the end of Return of the Jedi. This is General Solo. That is hugely impressive. He's also a master of the intoxicating mind fog, something I use all the time. He's able to talk his way out of things, convince people to see his point of view. I'm going to really elaborate that a lot more on that in my point number two. But for now, all of that is my point number one. You're saying some interesting things, and I'm not going to dispute some of the things, but some of the things you just said uh, definitely need to be talked about because the, you brought up the Greedo battle. Look, fa let's face facts. Greedo shot first. That is just, I mean, that's a good thing for Solo, but obviously Greedo shot first, and we all know it's true. 
The point I'm trying to make is Han Solo needs the element of surprise. All of his best moments, all of his best battles happen before when the other person doesn't realize there's going to be a fight going on. Here, both characters know there's going to be a fight going on, so Han Solo isn't going to be able to surprise Austin Powers with anything. I'll get into that a little bit more in my point number two, because people try to surprise Austin Powers all the time, and it does not work. And that's the big thing Han Solo has going on, because at the end of the day, you said, oh, he has all these great plans. James, how do those plans generally work? Because I can remember him getting frozen in carbonite. I can remember him getting in deep against Jabba the Hutt and needing to run away. Like, Han Solo, at the end of the day, is a knave. You said, oh, he raised to the level of General Solo. That's fantastic. When we saw him in his next movie, he was a smuggler again and not doing very well. That's all I want to say about that. I'm going to have to go to the judge and ask him to strike any reference to these horrible sequels. Uh, because actually there's a strong rumor, a rumor I started, that the sequels actually may not be canon. Uh, I'm kidding, of course, <laughs> not really. I hope they're not canon. With that being said, Delvin Cox, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? So far, it's neck and neck. This is the early rounds and things like that. I think Ray brought up a great point that Austin Powers can kind of dish out that punishment. He can take some punishment. He can dish out some punishment. But on the other hand, James went early with it. I, I like that he went early with it, that Han Solo has a weapon that shoots long range. And that matters. So I'm going to need, for the upcoming parts of this battle, I'm need Ray to establish that, hey, Austin Powers can contend with that and get in, maybe get in and get those killing blows or knockout blows. And James, I'm going to need you to kind of establish that how I can probably keep him at bay. Because right now, it's, it's neck and neck. So it's still, still early, but I like what I'm hearing so far. Very cool, very cool. All right, we are tied so far. Ray, let's see if you can pull ahead with this one. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Austin Powers is we need to talk about his fighting ability because comparing the two is a little bit apples and oranges. You know, Han, uh, his general move is to try to evade people, get away from them, run away, if you will. <clears throat> and uh, Austin Powers' general way is to go at people and really be aggressive with his attacks. You know, if Austin Powers is coming at you, he's coming, he's coming at you, and there's no, there's no holding him back. You know, at one point he was in the bathroom, and an Irish assassin uh, came out from the, he popped open the wall behind him and pulled over his Lucky Charms, haha, bracelet and tried to garret him, tried to choke him with it. And not only did Austin Powers react very, very quickly and win that situation, he ended up grabbing the assassin another strength feat, pushing him down into the toilet and drown him in the toilet, evading his own murder and taking out his murderer relatively easily. And it was brought up before by James, his physical abilities. You know, he's got the judo chop. Now, the judo chop, you know, he's obviously well-trained in judo because he knows the judo chop. This one-shots people only seen since uh, the Vulcan nerve pinch from Spock in Star Trek. He just says it out loud, judo chop, and that character goes down. That character does not come back to the fight at all. He also has the judo trip that he's used, which allows him to knock somebody down and, and have an advantageous situation over them. But also, you talk about long-range, Delvin. Austin Powers carries a gun of his own, and we've also seen him use a submachine gun uh, in one of the movies as well. And he's not a bad shot. I kept reading online what a bad shot he is. He's not. I've been watching the movies, and there's one warehouse scene where he walks in, and he just starts picking 
picking people off one shot, one shot, one shot, one shot, and even gets to the point in that battle that he's not just shooting the people and taking them out of the battle right away. He's shooting things behind them, showing a little bit of knowledge of a battlefield that he's just come into, and he's creating explosions all over the battlefield, which are shooting people off of balconies, firing them out of their, you know, kind of uh, hidden back positions and, and their entrenched ways. And that's how you want to fight if you're going to be engaged in a battle like that. I, I very rarely remember seeing Han Solo take advantage of his terrain and using his, you know, shooting ability to hit stuff behind people and blow them out. But Austin Powers has a gun as well, and it's a gun that works very, very well. He's also done some good things in combat, Mini-Me. Now we all know Mini Me's not exactly you don't. He's maybe the most vicious character. You know he did he did bite number two's hand all to heck, and and he was the one who stopped Austin Powers' father, uh, played by the unbelievable Michael Caine, and he was the one after all the minions couldn't do it who took out Austin Powers' father, the great spy that he was. Well, Austin Powers kicked him once and knocked him clear across a room. Now, I'm not going to pretend this is the biggest feat in the entire world, but if you could kick a human being and they go flying across a room looking like a rag doll because they literally were, I have to think that that's a very impressive fighting ability. He also has shown a wonderful ability, and this is something that he kept doing over and over again, using other people as human shields. He has no problem with this at all, and he's done it in multiple movies to the point where it's a tactic that he uses. He feels or sees something coming at him or somebody trying to get the jump on him. He grabs somebody and holds them in the way. Now, he's done that with a knife attack. He's done that with a, being shot at with bullets before, but most impressively, he did that when somebody shot an RPG rocket at him and the RPG rocket, he pulled a person, that person got heck all to heck. They both flew out of a window. He grabbed that person and landed on them and, and, and was fine. This was like a nine, 10 story drop. He was fine. Last thing I want to talk about, he fought a Britney Spears fembot who's trying to kill him, who he dodged all the bullets that he was shooting at him because I've never seen him get hit by a bullet. No matter how close and how many people are shooting, he doesn't get hit. But he also caught one of those bullets in his teeth and showed it back to Britney Spears' fembot. Look, his power level is through the roof. Strength, agility, doesn't get hit. All he's got to do is dodge a couple blaster fire shots from Han and get in close one judo chop and this thing's over. And that's my point number two. Wow, so much wrong with what you're saying here. Like, not just wrong, incorrect, but just you're wrong as a human being for you to even bring this up. Let me start off with uh, the judo chops. You know, I've always found that hilarious because the one thing that judo is known for is not its chops. It's not. In fact, judo is a grappling style. It's yes, not it known. It's known for his trips, his throws, it's what have you. Judo is not known for his chops. The fact that he can just make up a technique instead of saying a karate chop or, you know, stay, whatever you want to call it, that would have been more accurate. No, he was a judo chop. That's kind of the funny incompetence that he can get away with in fighting. Not going to work against a Han Solo, especially when he can tank shots from Chewbacca. Pretty sure those hit harder than a judo chop. Cute move. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about this, too. You really can't compare Austin Powers' gun work, his markmanship, and, and you know what he can do destructively with his, his gun versus that DL-44 that Han Solo can use. It, it's it's kind of like, I'm not saying he's bad with it, just not in the same league whatsoever. It's like comparing a really good quarterback in the Canadian Football League with Tom Brady. Sure, they can both throw a ball. Just one's in a completely different league. Uh, now, as far as Mini-Me and what makes Ray Sicanus even more of a human being, Mini-Me is one-eighth of a human being in terms of size. That is one-eighth. That means, you know, he's one-eighth the size of Dr. Evil. Let's say he's 160 pounds. You know, you do the math. That's uh, 20 pounds. He kicked 20 pounds across the room. Bravo. 
He hit this small little person, this small little innocent person, Ray, and kicked him into a pole across innocent. the room. Not innocent. Yeah, I, just, I just feel I feel that you're a horrible human being, and so is Austin Powers if he did that. And by the way, I'd love to see uh, Austin Powers try to catch a uh, blaster shot from Han Solo in his teeth. They're already kind of wrecked for obvious reasons. That would just be a horrible idea. All right, let me get to my point number two, and this is all going to become really, really clear. I got to talk about Han Solo as the ultimate survivor. Look, in the Star Wars universe, you're always pretty much one second away from encountering something that can kill you or eat you. It's one of those two things. So during his career, Han Solo has smuggled weapons, uh, contraband in people. He's fought slavers, Imperial frigates, and TIE fighter squadrons. He's single-handedly brought down Imperial corporations. He's outwitted the galaxy's worst crime lords. He's outwitted bounty hunters over on his trail, hoping to collect the death whatever price on his head. Uh, the Empire also placed a price on his head for crimes against the Empire. He was always one of the most wanted individuals in the entire Empire. Look, when Darth Vader gets involved personally to bring you down. You have either done something really, really right or something really wrong. Either way, it's really impressive. And the great part about all of this is that he survived all of it. He survived all of it. That's really, really crazy. I'm talking about the original three movies. Now, remember in his first encounter with Chewbacca, he survived that insane assault from a rampaging Wookiee Wookie, and then somehow got him to work on his side in order to escape. Insane. This is what Han Solo does. He grew up orphaned on a world where he had to, to not just fight to survive, had to always outthink and outplan everything around him just not to die. That's crazy. And he continued that as an adult. Look, in The Empire Strikes Back, while escaping the Empire and TIE Fighters in pursuit, Han Solo goes into that asteroid field and where C-3PO tells him the odds of making it are 3,720 to 1. And yet somehow Han Solo makes it. And the Empire Strikes Back again. This is while he's on Hoth and Luke is out, stranded somewhere he doesn't know where. And he's like, I got to go find my friend. R2-D2 says that the odds of making it back alive, not with Luke Skywalker, not with, no, just the fact that the odds of you coming back alive are 701. And yet Han Solo finds Luke, survives the night by sleeping inside of a sliced open tauntaun and comes back alive. By the way, one of my favorite moments in Empire Strikes Back. And then moments later, after, you know, that whole asteroid thing, they land that ship in that asteroid. And it turns out that Han Han himself figures out they're inside the belly of a giant space slug. Not Chewbacca with his enhanced senses, not Princess Leia who's Force-sensitive, not C-3PO with his advanced diagnostics and observation. No, 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 no. It's the street-smart Han Solo who figures it out and gets them out there in time. So where am I going with all this? Okay, so ask yourself this. How would Austin Powers do if he had to be in Han's position? You know, if they somehow switch places. Austin Powers would get wrecked very fast, and I'm talking insanely fast, whereas Han Solo in Austin Powers' world would probably feel like he's, I don't know, in a great spot on vacation, kind of taking it easy, even with people coming after him. Han Solo has survived way worse than anything Austin Powers has survived, and Han Solo has survived against much worse things and people than anything Austin Powers could do to him. All of that is my point number two. You're saying some some good things again, and James, I'm going to give you credit for that. But, you know, there are some things I definitely have to talk about here with Han Solo because you say Han Solo survived worse things. Well, how did he get in those positions, James? He got in those positions because he lost. Uh, and he also relies on other people to bail him out a heck of a lot. Austin Powers tends to get things done by himself. You know, every single time I think, oh, what's obvious this character is going to save Austin Powers. That doesn't happen. Now, Han is cowardly. That is one thing I've seen. I remember the scene, I believe, in the Death Star where he suddenly starts screaming and he chases 
chases the stormtroopers and he runs down the hall with the uh, chasing them and that seems hilarious but remember what happens next the stormtroopers what were there like three of them just turn around and he suddenly goes oh no and he runs back away uh, as fast as he can away from just a handful of stormtroopers if you're afraid of three stormtroopers I'm sorry you're you don't have the metal to hang in an actual fight against an actual combatant like an Austin Powers, for example, and you said bullets. You said bullets and blasters are two different things. In the, and I agree with you. In the Star Wars universe, bullets are actually way worse than blasters. Bullets are actually way more dangerous in the Star Wars universe than blasters. In fact, once Han Solo sees that Austin Powers is shooting bullets, very real chance he tucks tail and runs. Uh, I'm going to have to address all this at the beginning of my point number three because that is just some factually incorrect information. We'll get to that because now we're at the turning point. But before we get to what Delvin Cox has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today we are going to be celebrating Nathan Fair. We haven't done Nathan Fair in a while, so Nathan Fair, it's your turn on the spotlight. Ooh, Nathan Fair is a very powerful uh, opponent. Let's have him go up against someone not so strong, not so weak, someone who's like an Omega-level mutant like Iceman. Let's have them go up against Magneto. Magneto versus Nathan Fair. Now, here we go. Nathan Fair is going to see Magneto. Magneto's going to be flying, wearing the helmet, uh, bending metal girders around himself and creating this impenetrable wall. And Magneto's going to be, like, in rough shape. And then Magneto's going to say, well... Obviously, I look at Nathan Fair. He's such a prime physical specimen. I'm going to treat him like I would Wolverine and assume that you can't be that immaculate looking without having your body filled with metal. He assumes he's a Terminator. He assumes that he's got an adamantium skeleton and he goes to move him. But Nathan Fair has one massive advantage against Magneto. And that's that Nathan Fair, even if he just met you, has prior knowledge of all of the battles you fought ahead of time. He has a certain precognition where he can just, much like, I believe, the Midnighter character, Nathan Fair already knows. So Nathan Fair is strapped up with no metal on him whatsoever. And in fact, using glass bullets from a glass gun... He's going to shoot down Magneto, who is shocked at what he sees. But Nathan Fair was prepared like Batman for this battle, even though the two of them just met. You got to give it to Nathan Fair. This all tracks. Listen, as powerful as Magneto is, it just doesn't stand a chance against Nathan Fair. All right. Does not. Remember, you two. Yeah, not even a chance. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. Delvin, you've had a moment to ponder. Two points from Ray, two points from me. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? I think is dead even still. I think you both brought up a lot of good points. I am curious about something, and maybe either one of you can answer it. Bullets versus blasters. Is there a speed difference? Like, does the laser fire from a blaster, is it faster than a bullet, or is a bullet faster? How does that work? Well, I mean, the only thing I would say about that is when we watch Star Wars, we see the blasters in the air. How many, times you, how many times you see the bullets in the air? You just don't. So here's the thing. Thanks, Ray. Let me answer this one for real. So in the Star Wars universe, the reason why they I don't use projectiles is because it's really expensive ammo, right? It's okay. much more expensive to have, like, a bullet than, say, a laser blaster cartridge to you know, keep doing it. So with that being said, the speed of a bullet, it does hit with more power in the Star Wars universe. With that being said, uh, what's cool about a blaster is that there's nowhere near the kickback 
of a blast that a gun would have. And again, you're not talking about the greatest gun of all time. You're talking about a small pistol, a sidearm, if you will, not even, that uh, Austin Powers has. So I'd still say the uh, the blaster from Han Solo easily outdoes his firearm. Yeah, I, I, I find that interesting because I'm not sure yet. I, I want to say, James, you have to convince me that the black, because I've, I've watched plenty of Star Wars and i watched plenty of Austin Powers. And usually... With a blaster, it's a one-shot deal. People get hit with a blaster one shot, they're done. But if you watch the movies, blaster fire goes a little slow. Bullet fire seems to go faster. So, Ray, you have to convince me how Austin Powers could be able to take out Han Solo with the bullet fire. Like, Because I feel like it's neck and neck. I feel like if we were to go to a hand-to-hand combat situation, Austin Powers would have the advantage. Because even though you say like the judo chop ridiculous and things like that, he has a 100% win percentage with that. It works. Just like Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk's unorthodox style works for him, and I think it's the same thing with Austin Powers. And you know, and even though Han Solo has these battles and stuff like that, most of the things you see Han Solo usually do is from, from a distance. He's shooting at a distance and things like that. He's a master marksman. Yes, we, that's, I think you're asking acceptable answer and things like that. But I want to see either A from Ray, how Austin Powers can close in the ground, and take him out with the judo chop or something like that, or B from Ray, him using his gun to shoot Han Solo when the bullets actually take him down for good. Because, you know, with, with bullets, you know, you can either wound them or you can take them. And James, on the other hand, I want to see if Han Solo can keep Austin Power at bay with the blaster long enough to get a clear shot off, or somehow, I don't want to sport, I don't want to give any details to give you an idea how to win the thing, but Han Solo is a very calculated character with certain things he does, and he can kind of goad you into doing something that you want to do, you don't want to do. So how can Han use his connivingness and his tact to get Austin Power in a situation that he can't win? Great minds think alike. Dublin Cox, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, Ray Sicanus, we're dead even. It all comes down to this. Go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Austin Powers. I want to talk about his gadgets as well as his swag. Because Austin Powers brings a special je ne sais quoi to every single battle that Han Solo just can't match up with. Let's talk about gadgets first, though. Because one of the things we've seen uh, him have, Austin Powers, is smoke bombs. Uh, when he uh, took that canoe to that isle- Dr. Evil's island, he uh, absolutely came loaded for bear uh, with a giant bag of equipment with him. One of those things was a smoke bomb, which did fill the area with smoke. You want to talk about a way that you can close the distance. A smoke bomb is definitely a way that you can get from point A to point B without getting shot. But I would point out again, there's many, many times in Austin Powers where he's in a room and he's got elevated people with guns above him, often about a half dozen of them, all shooting at him simultaneously, and he never gets hit. He's always able to dodge. It doesn't look pretty, but it's like you said with Captain Kirk, and this was actually something I was going to bring up here, so great minds think alike somehow, Delvin Cox. He's able to always dodge out of the way and not get hit, so I don't think the blaster's ever even going to hit him. You know, there are great marksmen in the Austin Powers universe, too, and he just never seems to get hit. He also wears special glasses that we have seen him use for analyzation. He used it to analyze a photograph, but what's stopping these glasses, he taps the side from analyzing a combat situation as well. If we see that he can analyze things and establish that it was a drill being used in a certain part of his frozen body, it analyzed of that. Why can't it analyze and give him some ideas of how to defeat Han Solo? It seems like it should be on the table. 
The other thing is his vehicle. You know, I'm sure we're not going to try to bring in the Millennium Falcon, James, especially since Han Solo can't pilot it by himself, and there's no outside interference, as you said. But Austin Powers has the remote-controlled Shaguar, which is a ja- convertible uh, painted like the British flag that has its own set of uh, uh, equipment and weapons and a blast shield and all this other good stuff that he can operate through, I believe, voice commands or remote control. I don't know how he does it, but he does have the ability to do that. But the real way that Austin Powers is a man above Han Solo, because Han Solo's got, uh, he's an arrogant man. He's got a horrible attitude. If things start going wrong for Han Solo, he tends to try to look for the exit. <laughs> he tries to get, a, remember, he wasn't going to attack the Death Star. You know, it wasn't until much later that he had a change of heart after he'd already left and came back, and thankfully he did. But Han Solo doesn't want to get into these fights, and Austin Powers does, and the more willing combatant tends to have a huge advantage when it comes to a combat scenario. But Austin Powers has his, his, his swagger. He has his mojo, baby. He defeated fembots who are android robots loaded with guns and weapons and very, very potent and powerful. He defeated them just by being sexy. And he caused their brains and heads to explode. And you talk about how is someone going to disarm another person? Quite honestly, the swagger and the mojo of Austin Powers is going to disarm Han Solo, who's not going to be ready. Now, I'm not going to say that he's going to be attracted to Austin Powers. Maybe he will be. We have seen men fall for these powers as well. But Austin Powers has a very disarming way about him that prevents people from shooting at him because they just don't know what to make of his persona. He has that raw, dare I say it, sex appeal that makes people not attack him, which allows him to close the gap as well, get in the judo chops and end battles before they begin. I've got more I want to say. I'll save it for my last rebuttal, but that's my point number three. Uh, race to Canis, race to Canis, race to Canis. Okay. You know, it's funny. You're talking about how Austin Powers uses his canoe sometimes to kind of, you know, bring some gear with him and all that. He doesn't have his canoe. This is a random encounter. Uh, he, you know, I, I'll say he's got his firearm. He's got a gun. But his other than his glasses, he's not really going to have his other gadgets with him, which are kind of cool. But they're, again, random encounter, not something he's going to have. His glasses, yeah, they may be able to identify some stuff. But when he looks at Han Solo, he's going to say, oh, look, a guy with a gun. And the gun's kind of powerful. Got it. That's a fairly obvious thing to do. Congrats on the glasses. Uh, let's see. You know, Austin Powers rarely used his car overall within the the uh, franchise. Uh, in fact, he used it a lot less than Han Solo used the Millennium Falcon. So if you'd like to bring the car in, by the rules then, uh, by the way, the Millennium Falcon can be piloted by itself. And there's no better pilot for the Millennium Falcon with better firepower than Han Solo. So if you want to bring the car in, I'll definitely bring the Millennium Falcon into that one. Call me weird. I'll just do it. Now, uh, as far as the Fembots dancing, um, again, how is that going to work on Han Solo? I'm not saying, like, hey, would he find the track? I'm not even saying, would he find a track, Austin Powers attract, whatever. What I'm saying is, Han Solo got to uh, marry and end up and be a romant- romantically involved with Princess Leia. And no offense to Austin Powers. He's no Princess Leia. That's not going to sway Han Solo one way or another, even distract him. Uh, he'll be fine with that. Now, to go to your previous point, whenever Austin Powers gets, you know, 
faces the final evil villain, guess what happens? He gets help with whomever he is with, against Fat Bastard, against um, Random Task, everything. He's always had someone to help him kind of prevail over this. When he goes one-on-one solo, he rarely, if ever, really gets the win by himself. He always has help. Not going to help him in a random encounter. Now, let's get to my point number three, and let's talk about the big wins for Han Solo and big weaknesses of Austin Powers. So, look, how many thousands of opponents has Han Solo shot, somehow killed, or overcome? It's way too many to mention here. It really is, uh, especially when you bring in the comic book series, which is all canon. I'll just mention a few things. You know, he uh, shot and defeated Boba, uh, Boba Fett. Uh, sorry, he shot and beat Boba Fett while blind and hanging upside down. It was not a good moment for Boba Fett. Luckily, he came back. But it was still one of the galaxy's most dangerous, if not the galaxy's most dangerous bounty hunter. While blind, he took out Boba Fett. Highly impressive. He snuck up on Darth Vader, one of the most powerful Force users ever in the history of the Star Wars universe. Now, I'm referencing, of course, you know, in the New Hope, where Darth Vader is kind of bearing down on Luke Skywalker, who's trying to fire that missile into that port of the Death Star to blow it up. And Luke Skywalker is getting shot at. He's not sure if he can do it. And then all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, Han Solo comes in and rescues uh, or gets Darth Vader off his trail so Luke Skywalker can take that shot. Listen, I'm not saying he's doing this. He's going to launch the Millennium Falcon at Austin Powers. But to sneak up on Darth Vader, one of the greatest users of the Force of all time, and get him off his trail and send him flying off into space so he's no longer part of it, that is highly impressive to be able to do that. Uh, Again, I've got to mention how while in that mud pit in the Solo movie, he took on a rampaging Chewbacca and then got him to help Han escape. Insane. Look, Han Solo knows how to put himself in a position in order to win. We've seen that so many times. And the reason why he gets put, in, put into these possessions is because he's helping out the rebellion against the insane forces of the Empire. This is why people love him. He's a hero going up against insurmountable odds that he somehow overcomes. And there's so many more examples I can go into. But here's the deal. One of the main reasons for Han getting the drop on people or diverting their attention or convincing them to somehow drop their guard is because Han Solo is street smart on a galactic scale, which works perfectly in this battle because it goes against Austin Powers' biggest weakness, which is the fact that he's very, very gullible, as in really gullible. Look, when he took on Fat Bastard, he fell for Fat Bastard trying to get sympathy, saying, you know, I'm a villain because of my eating disorder, my eating problems, not once, but twice. Like, fall for it the first time, you should kind of learn for it. Then he sees Fat Bastard again, and Fat Fat Bastard uses the same tactics again, and Austin Powers says, yeah, I still feel bad for him, and lowers his weapon a second time. That is horrible. With Mini-Me, He's fighting that one-eighth of, of, a, of a clone of a person, Mini-Me, and he's fighting him. He actually loses the fight, first of all, and verbally taps out and says, I give up, I give up, I give up. So the fight continues because Mini-Me is just kind of crazy. And then when he knocks down Mini-Me into that pole and sees him lying there, instead of pressing the attack after this thing that just came after him, he's like, oh, poor little Mini-Me. Look at how cute he is. Oh, he's adorable. And what happens? That was just Mini-Me's ploy to lure him in a position where he jumps up out of a sudden, surprises Austin Power, runs at him full blast, and bites down on his no-no danger zone. One of the most horrible scenes in cinematic history. Look, how quick was he in the last Austin Powers movie to forgive Dr. Evil for all the evil, evil he committed because evidently somehow his father said that his twin brother was Dr. Evil. And how quickly... Did Austin Powers accidentally convince Scott, Dr. Evil's son, to take up the super supervillain mantle from his father because naively he naively told him at the end of the movie, hey, and Scott's like, I'm not sure, should I be evil, not evil, I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden Austin Powers is like, hey, just be yourself. Don't be something for anyone, just be yourself. And Scott's like, great, I'll be a villain. Way to go, Austin Powers. So here's how I see this fight going. 
both these guys kind of face off. There's going to be maybe some posturing, some talking, what have you. Then all of a sudden, Han Solo is going to start shooting because that's what he does. And this will be taking place at a distance. Austin Powers will be shooting back, trying to gain territory. Han Solo is going to be kind of figuring out where to dive behind and all that. And then all of a sudden, Austin Powers is going to say something along the lines of, you know, the ladies do like my gunplay because that's what he does because that's for some reason what he thinks people want to hear. Picking up on this and using his galactic street smarts, Han Solo yells out, yeah, I'm a ladies' man too. But you got to admit, it gets kind of lonely after a while just being a ladies' man. And for some reason, this hits home for Austin Powers, who lowers his gun and says, you know, it does get lonely. And all of a sudden, Austin Powers is now talking about how lonely it is and how he just wished he could find that one person to keep him happy because every, evidently every time he finds that woman, they somehow either die, turn into a fembot, or leave him, whatever's going on. And while this is happening, Han comes out, starts talking back to Austin the same way he did with Greedo in A New Hope, lowering Austin's guard and distracting him by engaging him in conversation, what appears to be a meaningful dialogue, but it was all a ruse. With a lightning quick movement of his right hand, Han Solo fires his blaster, knocking Austin Powers to the ground. Austin, horribly wounded, is hurt, but more so betrayed. He thought he had a connection with Solo. He thought he had a friend, someone who understood him. How could this be happening to him? In the weakened state, all Austin Powers can say is, I've taken out dozens of bad guys. I've saved the world. It can't end like this. I'm Austin Powers. Han Solo smiles, and just as he said to Luke Skywalker, responds with, don't get cocky. That's why Austin Power loses. That's why Han Solo wins. And that's my point number three. Delvin, you just heard James with his remarkable fan fiction there. Did any of that track whatsoever? Did any of that sound like what would actually happen in an actual battle? So much to unpack with James's 19-year point that he just laid on the table. Uh, first off, I'll restate, Han is arrogant. Han needs the advantage. He needs to surprise people, and there is no character you will surprise less. Everyone's trying to surprise Austin Powers, and he always has an answer. Even if you catch him completely by surprise, he still wins that fight when it came to uh, him feeling bad for for fat bastard and that ba who still won that fight Austin Powers still won that fight so he knew he knew what the situation was he was taking mercy and when the mercy was not there to be given as it will not be there to be given with Han Solo who's not going to give him a sob story in the middle of a battle what are we talking about right now but even if it was Austin Powers would still win and the Falcon rescue using a vehicle that's not present in this battle against a highly attuned force user using all his focus on his force attuned son in a moment to save everybody yeah I'm not looking over my shoulder either I assume my my empire troops could handle some stuff and you say he gets fooled easy he's the one who said it's a man baby and he found the spy dressed to, who was dressed as a woman who was sent there to kill him he saw through that disguise and he made scott into a villain well there was no fourth movie so i guess scott really wasn't that good of a villain i argue that everything that you just said doesn't track it doesn't if those are not weaknesses of austin powers at the end of the day you've got comedy physics he's going to close the distance he's going to get off the judo chop and we've seen Han Solo go down or give up in these battles before when the odds are stacked against him Austin Powers takes this down twice he fought fat bastard twice it was who he was with that defeated them one of them being Beyonce Beyonce by the way Delvin Cox it's time for you to make a decision you've heard three points from me you've heard five or six points from Ray take us through your process tell us the story if you will and reveal who you think wins this battle between Han Solo and Austin Powers I think this is a close one closer than probably a lot of people would expect it to be. But listening to both sides, I think 
you guys both brought up solid points. I think the whole, like I said, I, if it was a fist-to-fist, hand-to-hand combat, I think Austin Power takes it nine times out of ten because even the whole thing with Han and Chewbacca, they, uh, it was a fight, but it really wasn't a fight. Like, like Chewie, Chewie could have killed him at any point in time. But the, the thing about that battle was the thing, and the thing that's always been a good thing about Han Solo is he knows how to talk himself out of a situation. For better or worse, he always figures out a way how to talk himself out of a situation, how to influence the situation to get even to his advantage. And, and some things that you brought up brought that to my attention a lot. The whole thing with Greedo, when he when they were sitting there talking, he was talking to Greedo till he got his advantage, and that's kind of Han Solo's thing. He's a very skilled marksman. Even the, he's a very skilled marksman, one of the best there is in the in the Star Wars universe. And I feel like Austin Powers is a skilled marksman at all as as well. But I don't think Austin Powers, in terms of gunplay, has had the caliber of bad guys as Han Solo has because it's usually like Doctor Evil's goons who are kind of like stormtroopers. You want to call a spade a spade, nameless stormtroopers and things like that. So, but so, and this is the thing that I think got me. The gullible factor of Austin Powers. That is definitely a thing. And I don't know if Austin Powers, I don't think it would happen the way you said it happened, James, in terms of him appealing to that side. But I do, I can see Han Solo saying something to Austin Powers that would throw him off just because Han Solo has done it to smarter people. I can see Austin Powers, I can see Han Solo saying something to throw Austin Powers just enough off to get a blaster shot in to take Austin Powers out. So the winner of this battle, I think, will be Han Solo. Ladies and gentlemen, Delvin Cox, the smartest person on the internet, has made the right call. Delvin Cox, I got to tell you from your previous episode that you were on here that I was so embittered by, I got to tell you, you made up for it so beautifully (laughs) in this episode. I needed this win. I wanted this win. I got the win. Race to Canis. You came up short, man. I'm this trying to make sense of what Delvin just said. It's who would win in a fight, not who would win in a conversation. What are you talking about, Delvin? Austin Powers has never been hit. And you talk about, oh, the caliber of people he's fought. Did, Austin did Powers Han has Solo... been hit several times. Not necessarily oh, with please. bullets, but he's been Thank you. Not with shots. If someone can not hit. Not with shots. Listen, if someone and, can oh, hit. Who is Han Solo okay. beat? He beat Greedo. He beat a jobber. Greedo. Greedo is not Austin Powers. That is outrageous. I, I will say this. And James should have mentioned this. But I, and he didn't mention it, but he didn't mention it. But apparently, it you're giving point. him credit for it no, anyway, Delvin. He, no, so good no. job. He mentioned real, good enough real, points right to make up for it. Judge, there was a point in Solo where there was a basically where Han Solo was against his mentor, and he took him out with the blaster, just like that. Quick, quick draw, quick style, simple as that. And the Greedo thing, and there was other things. And I've watched Austin Power movies. I watched both of these franchises a lot. Austin Powers. Is a hand-to-hand combat type guy. His 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 gunplay is okay at best. He's not that type of guy who's gonna get in the great shootout. Like all the bad guys he beat, it wasn't because he shot him. He beat him because he it was fighting or something like that, or he blew him up or something like that. It was never like a shootout or something like that. I mean, Han he shot Doctor Evil. 
but whatever. And giving, okay, and giving James Gavsey credit for a feat he did not mention, this is an all-time low of the show. You said out loud just now the reason he got the fight is because you had prior knowledge James never brought up of a fight that didn't happen according to this battle, and you gave James the win based on something he didn't say. Nonsense. You know what else is interesting, Delvin, that you brought up? You know, here's the whole thing. If if Random Task, that that villain from the first movie, I remember he took out a shoe, showed it across the room, showed it to Austin yes. Powers. Austin Powers just stood there and then hit him in the forehead with it from across the room. Austin yes. Powers didn't try to duck. He got hit in the head with that. Pretty sure Han Solo can nail someone who will not get out of the way of a projectile that they see being held in the hand of someone who's about to throw it at him. Just putting that out there. Listen, Delvin Cox, there's a reason why people uh, find you so intoxicating, if you will, why you're so popular. It's just because you see it the way it's supposed to be seen. And uh, you, you went down the line, you were fair, and you made the right call. Listen, I think this episode was fantastic. We'll go down with one of our best. Delvin, please come back to the Who Would Win show sometime soon because you're just fantastic in every way, shape, or form. And in the meantime, please tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at Delvin underscore Cox. Check out the Delvin Cox Experience and the PlayStation Experience anywhere you get podcasts at. And also, congratulations, James. Ray, no Victory Friday for you. Ooh, that's hurtful. All right, Ray's to Canis. <laughs> this was a, a well-contested battle would not be something I would say. I felt I was ahead from point number one just because reasons. Tell our listeners where they can find you online. I thought the lowest point in who would win history was when our gracious judge, Philip Wilburn, gave Batman 1989 the win based on knockout uh, grenades that he never used in the movies at all and never existed and, in fact, existed only in a crossover, unused version of the character. And then I thought the lowest, new lowest point in the history of the Who Would Win show, was our beloved judge, David Sobolov, giving uh, external outside interference in a battle to allow Khonshu the god to over to join the battle and defeat Gorilla Grodd uh, from CW's The Flash. I thought for sure we could never sink any lower than that. And then we get Delvin Cox on the show tonight who says the victory is mainly because of a feat that Han Solo used that was never brought up in the battle was brought up by the judge only, only in his final decision. And that's the first time anyone heard it. And that's what pushed it over for him. Something that was never debated and never said. This truly is the lowest point in who would win history as far as terrible judging goes. Delvin Cox, thank you for coming to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. You will never, ever, ever be back again as far as I'm concerned because that is one of the most outlandishly awful things that's ever happened to a human being in the history of mankind. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. I just got a uh, text from the Who Would Win production team. Uh, Delvin, they want you back on maybe uh, maybe July-ish. Is that going to work for you? Perfect. Works for me. Okay, great, great. I'll, I'll let them know. Okay, great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Feel free to participate in my question of the day. I'll do that once a week because, you know, I'm busy. And uh, let me know what you think about what questions I'm asking. I love the conversation. Is it controversial? Sure. Does it cause some emotional flutter-ups? Hopefully, 
It's always a good time, at least for me. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook by typing in at James Gazzia. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwindshow right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You gotta sink this butt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's Breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.